Well, good morning. Welcome. So glad that you're here. So I'll tell you about something I did this past week. I asked both of my sons to fill out report cards on me. Well, I figured turnabout is fair play because they just got their report cards. And so I got this idea from a resource and I thought, well, here. And I gave each of them, uh, and they're like, so what are we going to, so you just like give me grades on how I'm doing in each of these categories as a dad. They're like, okay. So they went off to their rooms to fill out their report cards on me. I figured I'm probably an all A, maybe one or two B kind of dad. (laughs) And I am. I did get all A's and a couple of B's along with my five C's and one D. (laughs) So it's a good thing this series is just two parts. All right. Because I don't have much more to say. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you need a Bible, take uh, one of the ushers. uh, They'll be in the aisles. Wave to them, and they'll be glad to let you borrow one of those, those, and you can uh, keep it if you need a Bible. It's our gift to you. We'll be going to Deuteronomy chapter 6 in just a little while. So last week, Pastor Dan taught us about the importance of disciplining our children because All children need help developing self-discipline, and the only way we develop self-discipline is we have parental discipline to, as Proverbs 22, uh, 15 says, drive the foolishness out of us, right? But once the foolishness is driven out through discipline, how do you install the good stuff? How do you get the stuff that brings about a flourishing life? like a vibrant, robust sort of faith and trust in the Lord and wisdom and integrity, these sorts of things, right? How do we disciple our children? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we need to talk about this because more and more grown men and women are clearly walking around who never had such things installed into them. They have no sense of faith, very little sense of integrity, no awareness of God or his word. And so this is, nowadays it seems like very often that our world is being run by children who are undiscipled that somehow grew up and are walking around in grown-up bodies. And it's not getting any easier in this generation. Through television, social media, movies, and more, Kids are being relentlessly bombarded by culture's popular ideas about success, performance, appearance, belonging, what the good life is, which leads many kids to feel pressure, pressure to make the traveling squad of their sport or excel in their hobby or achieve extraordinary grades so they can get into a great college, so they can make a lot of money, which means families are being caught up in a whirlwind of becoming toxically overscheduled with too much hurry, too much rushing, and way too many commitments. And subsequently, society uh, shows us, uh, studies show us that anxiety and depression in young people They're running at all-time highs nowadays. And all the while, the really substantive, the weighty, the the meaty, meaningful matters of faith and discipleship and Jesus and eternal stuff, all of that has been, by and large, sidelined 
Well, what, with all the stuff we got to do? I, we just don't have time to do all of that. We'll get back to that someday when we're not so busy. Ah, if we could just see with our spiritual eyes, friends, I think we would see clearly that Satan has engineered an all-out campaign to destroy families today. But there is hope. And that's the good news. There's hope for us because we're not living in the first time in history when families were really facing a perilous destruction. Nor is it the first time in history that parents needed a lot of help learning how to help their children spiritually. As a matter of fact, if you go back 3,500 years you find that God's people, the Jewish people, they were in a very similar predicament. Let me describe it to you. See, their parents had forgotten the one true God. They had forsaken the one true God, and they had suffered the consequences of walking away from the one true God. Those consequences being that God had said to them, now you're gonna have to wander around in this desert between Egypt and Israel for 40 years until every last one of you, except two, are dead. It'll be your descendants, your children, who will go into the promised land. But none of you, except those two, are going to go into the promised land. So now, 40 years later, you have this whole new generation. And God is seeing fit to say, now, I need you, I want you to understand who I am so that you can know what I always had in mind for you. And they're in need of learning. Who are you? And how do we live for you? And, and how do we train our children about you? And so we find ourselves very much in a similar situation as those people 3,500 years ago. And so what God is going to speak through Moses, even though written 3,500 years ago, is still very, very relevant for us today. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you're lying down. Talk about them when you're getting up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, in this little passage, Moses packs at least three important keys that I want to make sure that we grab hold of in our time together on how it is that we build in, how we install this discipleship, a love for Jesus Christ into our children. The first thing is this, if you're a note taker, it all starts with a clear vision. That's where it's going to start. It all starts with a clear vision because ending up at the right place in the end always started with clear vision on the front end, right? of what we're trying to accomplish. Whoever accidentally ran a marathon? Nobody. You don't accidentally just get up and run one of those, right? We only get good at what we get intentional 
about. So parents, I want to ask you a question. As it comes to your parenting, what are you being intentional about with your children? What, what are you being, is it we're going to be intentional about earning good grades? Many of you say, yeah, that's what we're intentional about. Getting a, a college scholarship? Becoming popular? Remaining moral? Staying sober? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But all of them fall short of this grand goal, this, this grand vision that Moses was giving to us in this passage. God is saying, hey, I want you to be intentional about helping your children come to know me and love me with all of their hearts and all of their soul and all of their strength. I want you to help them to love me. That's the grand vision. That's the big goal. Now, even in saying that, I realize some of you right now, you're like, yeah, that sounds really nice. I would like for my kids to love God and everything. But the truth is, I'm really just trying to see if we can just keep them from getting pregnant. You know? Or others, if you're like, we're just trying to see if we can get them out of, live out of the side of our home, live somewhere else. Live somewhere else. All right, again, nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things. But they're secondary. They're secondary. What's primary? Helping our children come into the experience of a transformed heart, as um, chapter, or verse 5 says. This transformed heart that's transformed with love for God, where our eyes are, are fixed on him. How do we come into that? Through a life-changing, soul-saving, loving, robust relationship that we have with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the grand goal is because everything good and lasting flows from this. But anything shy of this will never last. Not beyond our supervision. It'll die off. My nephew in Ohio, um, he wrote an essay recently towards the end of school as I understand it. He goes to a public school in Ohio and apparently the, the teacher had given them assignment to write a little essay on uh, what brings you happiness. This is a seventh grader, and uh, his mom, my sister, sent me a screenshot of it. And let me read it to you. He wrote, some simple things give me temporary happiness. Things like video games, Fortnite, having a fun time with friends, making people laugh, playing baseball, doing track, playing trumpet, and going to school. But the thing that has given me and is giving me and will always give me happiness for as long as I live is going to church and spreading the beauty and the grace and the love of God and with the Holy Spirit's help trying to be an example for Jesus. Yeah, and so, yeah, praise the Lord. So his mom, texts that to me because she's thrilled and of course she was thrilled we're all thrilled why because here's a young man who's starting to own for himself his own relationship with the lord and we're praying that it will just continue to take hold deeper and deeper and deeper as he grows older and more seasoned in that faith now you know Many of you right now, you're thinking to yourselves, that's what I want. That's what I want for my kids, right? But you're also calculating. I know many of you right now, you're calculating. All right, so 
We already got the, uh, the math tutor for the one who's not so good at math. I'm paying for privates for the one who needs pitching and batting coaching. Uh, and we're paying for the piano teacher. Uh, you know, now, so who is the specialist to help influence my child to love God? Ah, good news. Save you money. <laughs> it's you. Amen. You're that person. Now, many of you right there, you're like, oh, that can't be me. I, I hardly know anything about spiritual things. I mean, I hardly know the difference between the Old and the New Testament, and I don't know the word, and, and I don't know the answers to all of these questions. In fact, I've got my whole list of questions of myself. I wouldn't have anything to, to teach my young people. I've got good news for you. The reality is we live in a day and an age with tons of resources. In fact, I'm going to give you some before the sermon's over today. Um, Plus, nowadays, you can subscribe, you can get all sorts of sermons on podcasts from some of the great preachers and Bible teachers all around the country, all around the world. And you can drive along when you're going to work and so just listening to God's word as it's preached and taught in captivating sorts of ways that help you to grow. There's all sorts of resources. And that doesn't even mention, I'm not even mentioning the, the, the grow groups that we have here and the discipleship, the micro groups that we have. Um, that, that many hundreds of you, uh, I think more than a thousand now, are involved in. So the question isn't, is there a way that you can grow, that you could learn, that you could access uh, new insight? No, no, the question is, will you move towards those resources? Would you prioritize moving towards those resources? I hope so, because nobody can have the impact on your child like you can. Now, I know there's yet a little bit other push, pushback. Some of you are pushing back right now. You're like, wait a second. I thought we chose this church because they're, like, they're known for the kids' ministry and the youth ministry. Isn't that why we're here? I mean, they got this great kids' ministry and the youth ministry. I thought you guys are the, are the specialists. Well, look, I'm not going to take anything away from our kids' or, or, or youth ministry. Obviously, I think they are the greatest. And I'm just excited as the next person, the, the next Starting tomorrow, I think we've got more than 1,200 now children signed up and coming to the VBS. And they told me there's still some room in the evening sessions. And so get signed up. But let's be realistic about this. Let's just do a little math. We, if you came to church with your kids 52 Sundays a year, okay, we would only have approximately 52 hours to influence your kids in a year. But most of you don't come 52 Sundays a year, right? In fact, if anybody has come, would you stand up? Because I just really, no, no, not really. Okay. No, the truth of the matter is many of you come every other or maybe every third, some of you every fourth. So now you're knocking those numbers down. We're, we're getting your kids for maybe 10, 15, maybe 18 hours a year. We're good, but we can't work miracles. That's not very much time. Your kid spends more hours than that on a sport in a week or two. That's all we're getting in a year. 
Okay, so, so you just have to, to, now, I will say this. If when your kids are coming towards the end of elementary and, and moving into junior high and high school, if, if you'll let them go on one of our mission road um, week-long experiences, the, the mission journeys, um, now we just got some more hours. Now we just took it up to 30 or 40 or, or with all the ramp on, you know, exercises they do leading up to it, maybe close to 50 hours. And that's a very powerful aspect to, to our ministry. And I hope that you do let your kids go to that. But the point that I'm making is, even if you're here as much as you possibly could be here, you're still with your kids so many more hours throughout a given year than we're ever going to have with them. And like it or not, they're looking to you as the primary influence. That's just the way it's been wired by God. They're looking to you for cues. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, well, okay, for, before I say that, let me just explain this. There's basically two categories of people right now hearing my voice. One of you falls into a, a group that we might call second or third generation Christians. That is, you grew up in a Christian home. Your parents followed the Lord, maybe the grandparents did. I, I was blessed to come out of that kind of home. So subsequently, you probably bring along some awareness of God's word and uh, the truth and, and so of it and, and discipleship skills and these sorts of things that were installed into you, okay? So if that's you, you have a treasure trove of lessons and biblical insights, and so that you could be investing in your children and in other people's children. What are you doing with all that with which you've been blessed? Now, another group, and perhaps this is as big, maybe a bigger group at Faith Bridge. This is what I'll call the first generation Christians. You all are new to this ball game. You're like, yeah, my parents, we, we didn't do this. I didn't grow up in church. I mean, this is like new. Um, and I don't know the Bible, I don't know the word, and I'm just barely understanding this Jesus thing and the, the gospel and what he did on the cross, and, and it's, it's working. I mean, it's, I can tell, something's happening, but I'm like a rookie. I, don't, I just really don't have anything yet that I could give my kid. Wrong. I have a friend who tells a story about his, his dad. And uh, when he was, I think, in elementary or junior high school, his, his dad went to a revival and he met the Lord there. And he invited Jesus to come to his heart. And my friend says, and he began to change right before our very eyes. He all of a sudden now was becoming interested in God's word. He's becoming a person of prayer. He became a person of sobriety. There was all these changes that were happening in our family right before our very eyes. And now, years later, my friend is in full-time ministry. In fact, he's on this staff at Faithbridge. And he still looks back fondly and gratefully upon his dad and upon the, the impact that his dad had upon him. Why, because his dad had always walked closely? No, because his dad started at this point and moved forward from that point on. And he took his family with him in the journey. And if you find yourself in, in being a first-generation friends, don't look backwards 
at your deficiencies, look forward and just say, you know what? As a family, we're gonna, we're, I'm going to take a journey. We're going to learn some stuff and see what God does in our lives together. Okay? So um, that's the great vision. That's the grand goal that God gives us, that we would be helping our children come to meet the Lord and come into a transformational love relationship with him. You're like, okay, great. I got the goal. But how do you like get that into them, right? How do you get it like transferred? Well, let's look at the next verses. He says, verse six, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're sitting at home. Talk about them when you're walking on the road. Today, it'd probably say driving on the highway. Talk about them when you're lying down. Talk about them when you're getting up. What could we say from this? I think what, what the, um, the writer is telling us, what Moses is telling us here, is the second big uh, thought that I want you to have today. And that is, we've got to learn to redeem the everyday moments of life. Because that's where spiritual formation happens, in the everyday moments of life. Just the everyday conversations. That's where this exchange takes place. That's the currency that's being exchanged in, in, in this conversation. This is where spiritual truths are being exchanged and learned. Several months ago, um, I was dropping off one of my boys one morning at school. And as we uh, pulled up into the school parking lot, he saw one of his peers uh, walking in with one of those big, huge trifold posters. And right then, his, he, he goes, oh, dad. And he's face turned pale. He's like, I forgot today is the day that our trifolds are due. And I did what every loving parent wants to do. I, I was like, okay, let me calculate. We can fix this. We still got this many minutes. And if I go to the store and we get this, but then I thought, wait a second, I've got a meeting that starts in 10 minutes. I don't have the foggiest idea what goes on the trifold. We have no supplies with us. And so I just said, Bummer. I said, Bud, I I wish I could help you, but I I I got nothing. And he started he started crying. And in that moment, he said, Dad, I'm scared. I thought to myself, No, you're not scared. You're desperate. And that is a redeemable moment. Why? Because life is full of these points where we come to the end of ourselves, right? Where we come to a point of desperation. And it's in these moments of desperation that we many times will meet God in the most memorable and meaningful ways. I decided I'm gonna be 10 minutes late to the, to the meeting and pulled into the back of the parking lot decided we gotta talk about this because you this son has never said he's scared of anything in his whole life. I'm like, I got to seize this moment for sure. And so we pull back and we talk about it and, and begin after a while kind of settling down and start thinking, okay, now what, how, would, how could you approach your teacher? Um, asking for grace, asking for forgiveness, owning it, saying, I totally forgot, not blaming mom or dad, definitely not doing that for sure. Um, <laughs> even though dad didn't even know about this, and, um, and asking for grace. And 
even as I was talking about that, I was like, you know, son, this is the gospel. I mean, this is, all of us, all of us forgot something. All of us humans forgot to live the life that God created us to live. We all fell short. We all blew it. We all botched it up. And we all deserve a terrible consequence, but God in his graciousness intervened and he showed us loving kindness. And he came and he died on the cross for us so that we didn't have to take the hit for our sins and then he rose. I said, this is a gospel moment. And and this savior, Jesus, is gonna be with you through the day. Even though it may be a little awkward day, he's gonna be with you through it. He's like, okay, I'm ready, dad. Why don't you pray for me and I'm gonna go on in. And I drove away thinking, man, I'm so glad I didn't miss that redeemable moment. Just the other day, I was leaving the grocery store. I had two handfuls of grocery bags and, and I was walking towards my car and I looked down on the ground and there, to my pleasant surprise, was a $10 bill. And I thought, the Lord blesses. And I <laughs> told her I'd go to the grocery store and look how he's favoring me. And so I reached down and I picked it up and put it in my pocket. And as I was going and putting the, the groceries in the car, I had these two competing thoughts that were going on inside of me. On, on the one hand, I thought finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That is the way it works, right? On the other hand, though, I had this other thought, and that was, what if that $10 had spilled out of one of your boys' pockets? because both of them have the propensity to do that sort of thing. And what if then one of them realized and said, oh, mom, and she turned around and they went back in the hopes that somebody had turned it in and he went in and he asked the lady, did, did somebody turn it in? And, and, <clears throat> um, and I thought that whole thing through and I thought, you know, this isn't mine, it's not, I, I didn't earn it. So I walked in and I gave it to the lady and I explained, here's what happened. Here's what I hope will happen. She's like, okay, thanks. Well, there's no way I was going to miss that moment uh, of teaching. So that night, I'm putting the boys to bed, and I said, hey, the strangest thing happened today when I was leaving the grocery store. I described the whole I didn't resolve the story. I just said, and then I saw this $10 bill, and I reached down. I said, what would you do? One of the boys said, well, it's not yours, Dad. You, you should probably go turn it in. That's my virtuous son. And <laughs> the other one was like, I would take it. <laughs> and to him, I said, see, son, it's that sort of thinking that'll take you straight to hell. No, I, I, <laughs> I didn't say that because I wanted to redeem the moment. It just was revealing to me that he needed a little bit deeper thinking uh, uh, because he wasn't thinking quite at a a high enough level. And so I I played the scenario for it. I said, yeah, but what if you were the guy who had dropped the money and and you'd spilled it out and then you went back because mom turned around and took you back and and you went and you were really hoping and and you said, is is there $10 that got turned in? But no, it's not there because I drove off with it 10 minutes ago. Now how do you feel? He said, now I feel mad at you. I said, said, okay, well, isn't that interesting? Because Jesus said this interesting thing in Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Hmm. 
Just a thought. <clears throat> Redeeming the moments, just the teachable moments that God gives us along the way. I'm telling you, um, from these come great dialogue, great conversation, and great processing. Some of the best mentoring, some of the best influencing that you can do, moms and dads, and grandparents, and aunts and uncles, and, and neighbors, if you have a, you know, a good friend and you stay with the kids sometimes, sit them and drive them. And you, you have influence, even if you don't have kids of your own. One of the greatest things that you can do is not yelling at them, not screaming at them to conform to some standard outwardly that's been presented, but to key in on the everyday experiences, ask a well-placed question and let them wrestle with it in the effort to guide our children into all truth. I'm telling you, if you would uh, look upon these moments, these, these redeemable, teachable moments that God gives us as a get-to, not a have-to, you would be surprised at the, the overflowing notebook of lessons that God is regularly providing to you. He's giving you all sorts of lessons to help you teach your children how to love Jesus and how to think biblically, to love Jesus and how to think biblically. You just probably haven't taken the time to notice those. But let me quickly uh, mention here, you're going to botch this up. I botch this up. Suzanne botches. We all botch this up. And if you're like we are, sometimes you're going to lose it and you're going to yell and you're going to regret it and then you're going to have to go back and apologize and make amends and that's parenting. And in a perfect world, every parent would get it right every time and have wisdom from on high and every child would just fall in line and get you. But, but that's not the real world, right? But here again, when we blow it as moms and dads, it's a gospel opportunity, it's an opportunity for us to remember, wait a second, I was never saved because I was perfect on my own and I'm surely not perfect at this parenting thing. I'm in need of your grace to remind ourselves even then, that's why I have hope, that's why I have peace because I have forgiveness that comes from knowing that he paid the price for my sin. He filled the gap that I couldn't fill. So saturate yourself, soak in that gospel, in that good news. Confess your sins to him and let him bathe you with his forgiveness. And with that, then you'll have new inspiration and new resolve and new determination for the next day to go at it again as moms and dads. But don't, don't give in to the enemy. The enemy has always sought to kill and to steal and to destroy. That's what he's always been in the business of doing. The one thing he would like to have you do, moms and dads, is to quit. To just to quit, to abdicate your job, to quit working to help develop a spiritual foundation in your young men and your young women. And particularly after you've goofed, he's going to tempt you to quit to just go hide your head in the sand sort of like Adam and Eve when they blew it. But here's, here's what I want you to remember. You can't have yesterday back. No, you can't have yesterday back. But today could be the start of a new ending to your story. Today can by his grace. So seize those redeemable moments. And then one last thing, one last thing. And that is spiritual formation in our kids also happens through intentional, special occasions. You're like, where do you get that? Look at the last couple of verses. 
Um, verses 8 and 9. Moses said, now tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's intentional. That's special. Even to this day, observant Jews, literally, they tie the law of God to their hands and to their heads in these little boxes that are called phylacteries. And they decorate their doorways as well. But that doesn't translate very well, practically, into our culture uh, today. But I'll tell you what does. When moms and dads, when you arrange special occasions that do fit our times and do meet the needs of your children spiritually for the purposes of helping them to love Jesus and think biblically. Over the years, I've taken both of my boys now on a little private retreat, each of them, uh, that we call uh, Father-Son Weekend. It's a little destination weekend, and they get to choose the destination. One of them chose um, that we would go to Galveston so that we could fish, especially at nighttime fishing. Um, and one night we caught a bunch of things, and the other night we didn't catch much, but we had a lot of fun, and we had a lot of great conversations, and we checked in on the NBA games uh, that were being played as well. The other son, he decided that his destination would be that he was going to take me uh, to ride in Kima some of the most violent, <laughs> rib-bruising, neck-lashing roller coaster. I'm telling you, I rode that bullet ten times. After which we got on another ride called the Drop Zone, which takes you up about 200 feet and then just plunges you at the speed of gravity to your near death before barely saving you. We did that ten times. As we did all sorts of other rides. But the, the purpose of the trip isn't just to have the fun, although that's half of it. And we did have a lot of fun on both of those trips. But also to have a conversation, particularly about two things. One, just for me to have a father-son conversation with them about the relationship that they have with the Lord. Uh, and both of them do have a foundational relationship with the Lord. But I also know they have a lot of life coming ahead of them. And for me just to talk with them about my hopes and dreams and Suzanne's, our hopes and our dreams as their moms and dad, mom and dad, that, that they would always walk closely with him, that they would love Jesus and they would let their, their mind think biblically along the way because that's where we find truth. That's where we find the right path. The other purpose of the trip is to talk about the more, uh, well, the, the birds and the bees, if you will, to just go into to that conversation and sort of orient them uh, to how those things work. And the great thing about, uh, the, I mentioned resources. I'll hold up one right here. It's called The Passport to Purity, and it's, it's by uh, Dennis Rainey. He runs a ministry called Family Life Today. And the great thing about this, this weekend is you just buy the kit and he does all the talks. So you don't have to say anything. Well, I mean, you do afterwards. But, but he kind of gets everything out there and gets the conversations going along. And so I did this with both of the boys. And uh, with one of the boys, I'm, I won't say, share which, but, but one of the boys, we got to, I think it was talk two or talk, I think it was three or four. It's when he's explaining, this is then what 
happened with your mom and your dad, and this is what they did, and how, how it all worked. And at that point, that, that boy in particular, he lurched up from his bed where he was lying there looking at the ceiling, and he lurched up, and he looked at me, his neck snapped around. He said, Dad, do you really think I'm old enough to be hearing this? <laughs> I said, yes, son. You are. That's why I brought you here. It's a good thing. It's a God thing. It's all God's creating, and that's why I wanted to be with you, particularly as you came into an understanding of how all this kind of works so that you can do your best to make it all work in your life the way that God always had in mind someday when you get married. Special moments, special occasions, they help our children to develop um, spiritually. And here's the thing, even the busiest of us, the busiest of us, if you'll just give a little bit of strategic, I mean 30 minutes of strategic planning once or twice a year, you can carve opportunities like this out with each of your children. You can do this. We had another one, the Word Lines did this past week. We uh, took a family trip to Washington, D.C., to show the boys the historical sites of D.C. But as much and really more even than that, the big buildup was that we were going to get to see our friends Ben and Donna Stewart and their family and Mike DiStefano, who used to be on our staff here as well. And, <clears throat> and, and so last Sunday, we got to go to the new Passion City D.C. church. It was their 10th Sunday in business, and it was so good. I was so proud and excited and and uh ben and donna were on the front row and they put us on the second row right behind them and i just got to watch as as this great new church is is taking off but the highlight for me the highlight really um was oh yes and there's some shots that we were capturing along the way there's mike DeSafano at mount vernon and uh but the highlight of the trip, really for me, was getting to be next to my boys and Suzanne on the other end in worship. And when Christian Stanfield came out and started leading the songs and we were singing, just to watch them as they were singing out and worshiping. And then when Ben got up and began to preach in his inimitable way and start doing his funny antics just to watch them laughing and enjoying that. And, and then also to see their wheels turning as they were listening to the serious things that he was teaching, which they were getting. And we had some good conversation that evening uh, when we went to the, to the fitness center together in our hotel. And I asked them, tell me back, what did that sermon teach you and what did we learn from that? It ended up being a, a special occasion, one of those special, meaningful, spiritual moments right there. We even had one more, I'll tell you about, that happened the day before. We went the day before to this new thing in D.C. called the Bible Museum. It's worth seeing if you haven't been. It's really quite something, and they have all sorts of displays about the creation of the Bible, where it came from and how it all worked. And, and they have these experiences that, that are particularly good for kids that you go through. And, and coming out of one of those experiences, the New Testament experience, if I recall, um, one of my boys was particularly touched by just what had happened. And he came up and he, and he nuzzled underneath my arm and he looked up and he said, I'm not afraid of dying someday. And I said, really? 
He said, no, because I have Jesus. And I tussled his hair and prayed silently, Lord, won't you just keep fanning that flame and drawing him into your heart more and more and more as he grows? A heart for Jesus, that's the grand goal. It's what he was saying 3,500 years ago. It's what he's saying today. I want your heart more than anything else because every good thing will flow from that. If we could just get your heart on fire for me. That's what I want for my boys and that's what I want for you and for your children. Now, I just feel like I need to say one other thing because some of you are, are, are wondering and this will be it. Do all of your stories turn out that good? No! I just told you the good ones. But trust me, most days, Suzanne and I are frustrated, we're discouraged, we're irked, we're impatient because our boys protest and they rebel and they act like heathens and they say mean things to each other and mean things to us. And, and on those days, sometimes, Suzanne, I feel like we just earned a D or an F on the report card. But Deuteronomy 6 never promises that any of our children are ever going to look up at us and say, wow, mom and dad, wow, thank you so much for that transformational insight. It has really changed my whole life. No, we're never given that promise, nor are we ever given the promise in Deuteronomy 6 that we'll always know what the best decision is when we're helping our children to navigate. But what we do know is that he is in control, his word is true, and that his spirit prevails and wants to give us wisdom in those moments if we'll just turn to him and ask him for that wisdom, stepping to the left or to the right as he gives us that guidance. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's good and that he is dependable. So, by his grace... We toil on, we plant on, we persevere on, we trust, and we pray. And that's what I want us to do now as we come to a close. Lord, thank you for the chance to talk some about parenting here in this little mini-series this summer. Uh, thanks, God, for the responsibility that you've given to us. Forgive us, Lord. Uh, for so often being so busy that we neglect uh, that responsibility. Uh, you know very well, Lord, um, in this room are many hearts, some that are happy hearts, that feel content, that feel uh, like, uh, by and large, they accomplished the mission, or at least they're on track for it. There's plenty of other hearts, though, here that are heavy, heavy hearts, they feel like, boy, I blew it. Or I'm blowing it right now. I have fallen short. I wasn't the, the mom or the dad that I should have been. I wish I could have those times back. I wish I could start over, and I wish I could know then what I'm just knowing now. Lord, I, I pray particularly two things. First of all, that those who are older would come into the awareness that 
you give us grandchildren oftentimes, and you give us friends and, and other relatives, and, and you give us other new people, young people, that we can invest in. And so we can start today with whoever you've put in front of us. And to the extent that we are able, we can go back and make the amends that would be helpful with our own children. I pray, God, that you would give us grace to do that if and where we need to do that. More than that, even though, at the deepest level of their souls, Lord, my prayer is that nobody would leave here feeling uh, like a failure, that nobody would feel uh, like a loser, that nobody would feel defeated, but rather that we would go out full of hope, full of the reminder of your goodness and your graciousness of the gospel, that we would turn anew to you, trusting that if we uh, confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so even in this quiet moment of confession, Lord, I pray that you might, friends, I'll just ask you right now in this quiet moment, why don't you just surrender almost, you can just even hold your hands out if it's helpful as a metaphor. Um, you just hand the Lord, here's, here's where I blew it, and you just let him take that from you and put in its place his love and his grace. You just make that exchange right now. And you resolve in your soul whatever it is that you need to resolve now as we go forward. Lord, as we go, won't you give us courage? Won't you give us confidence? Won't you give us faith? Won't you give us wisdom? Won't you give us hope? Won't you give us clarity? Won't you give us the tenacity and the perseverance that we need to have as parents? Because we don't know so often what to do or how to do this, but you do. And so, Lord, infuse into all of us new measures of grace, new measures of hope, new measures of that persevering uh, spirit, Lord. Give us what it is that we need so that we can walk closely with you and fulfill the roles that you've given to us to help your next generation come to know and love you and to think biblically. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you, uh, I, praise the Lord. So, so I told you that I'd tell you some resources. Before I quit, let me just show you the resources real quickly. If you're, you got the young children, you got to pick up the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's a great resource. You can read it at bedtime. The kids will love it, and you'll learn a lot about the Bible from it. If your kids are older, why don't you pick up Joel, uh, Joe White's book called Fuel. It's 10-minute devotions that uh, ignite the faith of parents and teens. That'll take you through the New Testament. Um, and then Focus on the Family has a good resource called The Spiritual Growth of Children. It's kind of thick and it's just sort of like a little encyclopedia. It's very good, very helpful. We've used it over the years. And then uh, one other one, and this is a website, heritagebuilders.com. That's where I got the report card idea. They have all sorts of tools and creative things. Um, and so why don't you uh, stop there and uh, pick up some of those things. God bless you. Let's stand up. Let's sing one song before we go out.